Welcome back, everyone. I'm Madison, and I'm joining... Me. Who am I joining? Me. Who's that? Me. Me. Lila for Lila's Lessons. <laughs> I apologize in advance if I'm a little bit slurring here. I did just have surgery a week ago. Well, I'm mostly better. Still kind of numb on my bottom lip. I talk a little bit, but we're going to rock it today. So, Lila, this is part two of our amazing cliffhanger. We left them on a cliffhanger. They have no idea what the other rodents are. Could it be? Yes, they do. Could it be Squirtle? No. Could it be Charmander? No. Oh, okay. So we had to talk about other rodents. So, and so real quick, let's review what are rodents. So if you don't remember, rodents are mammals. They drink milk. They have teeth that don't stop growing. Yeah, that's the big key feature here is those teeth that just don't stop growing. So you got to chew. got to chew, 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 chew on everything. And they really just, they don't stop. I mean, right? Seem like it's figurative language, but it's not. They really <laughs> keep growing their entire lives. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine how uncomfortable that must be? Well, they chew it down. Still. All right, so we got some Pokemon to talk about today. We're going to talk about some of the other uh, rodents. Last week we did mostly ro uh, mice and rats. This time we're moving on to other stuff. So first up we got Minchino, which is a chinchilla... Chinchilla. Tell me about it. How do we know it's a chinchilla? Well, it's gray. It has a big fluffy tail. And it's always cleaning. Real chinchillas take dust baths in. Minchino lakes water. So the chinchillas, actually, they, they live in mountainous regions. And they actually require very specific care. So those dust baths um, keep them at a very distinct temperature. So they actually have this thing where if they get too hot, they die. If they get too cold, they die. Um, they get wet? Yeah, and that's different. That's because their fur is so dense that if it gets wet, it will actually contract mold and bacteria. And they'll die. Yeah, they'll get sick and die. And I know you don't remember because you were like two. Um but, uh, you know, long ago, my uh, my ex and I, when we lived with her, we had she had a chinchilla when we first moved in with her. Uh, but that thing, that thing also, we, we were afraid that it was going to have a heart attack from the cat. So so we got we gave it to a friend. Uh, but they are evolved to be a specialist, right? They're evolved to live is directly in the two places that they live, right? Yeah. And anywhere else, they're not going to survive. But in the two regions that the two species of chinchillas do live, they thrive. Yeah. So next we got a mulga. Tell me about it. What kind of rodent is it? We think it might be a flying squirrel or a sugar glider. I think flying squirrel. Yeah. So how do we know it's a flying squirrel? Tell, tell us about it. It has the arm flaps and can glide and has a great sense of smell and eats at night. Oh, just like flying squirrels, right? Yes. What else about it? Well, it has cheek pouches. Oh, those rodents got to keep those food in those cheek pouches, right? I mean, think about it. If you're a rodent in the wild, you're not always going to have access to your food. Yeah, it's a great evolutionary adaptation to ensure that they always have availability, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they also, I mean, we know that squirrels uh, store food too. So not only do they have a physical adaptation, they have a behavioral adaptation too to ensure that there's always food around. Uh, next up, we got who? Pachirisu, right? Pachirisu. What is that? It might be a squirrel. It has cheek pouches and big teeth. 
It has a big bushy tail, great for balance. It stores the berries in the tr- in trees like a squirrel. Yeah, and again, that's that behavioral adaptation to ensure that there's food there for its survival. Next up, we got squovent. Squovit? Squovit. Squirrel. Yeah, definitely a squirrel. How do we know? She pouches and big teeth. It has a big pushy tail, just like Pachirisu, and lives in the trees. Now, we think it might be based on a very specific squirrel, right? Yes, Eastern Gray Squirrel, which is a non-native species to the UK, but were introduced... At Galler, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, the Eastern Gray Squirrel is a non-native species, and... What we think is that the shiny is actually based on the Eurasian red squirrel, which is an endangered species in the UK. And we've seen this in Ohio, where a non-native species of squirrel, the black squirrel, has moved into the territory. And just survived. And outperformed the native species, right? Yes. I know in Kent, Ohio, uh, you cannot find a a gray squirrel very easily, uh, but those black squirrels from Canada are everywhere. You know, they were introduced and they they thrive and they continue to thrive. Yeah, it's Ken's mascot, isn't it? Um, yeah, well, it's like it un- it's an unofficial mascot because of it. Uh, they actually it's actually really funny. One time your other mom and I saw one take take um a, I think it was like a hamburger out of a trash can. What? <laughs> yeah, they're like really smart. That's why the black squirrel keeps out surviving uh the the native gray squirrels cuz they're incredibly smart and good problem solvers. So they have learned that college kids are not good about keeping food like stored. <laughs> so they find a way to get into it. <laughs> Free food though, right? Yeah. All right, next up we got Greedent, who is also a squirrel, right? We think it's yeah. the Eurasian red. Yeah, Tell me squirrel. about Greedent. Well, so the game describes it as a little bit derpier, right? Yeah. And we think that's important because just like we talked about, the Eastern gray, gray squirrel yeah. is smarter than the Eurasian red, right? Yeah. And that's one of those times where it's not the physical adaptation that causes the out-survival of a non-native species compared to the native species. It's the behavioral adaptations. And because, you know, the research has shown the eastern gray squirrel is better at problem solving, it can outperform the Eurasian red squirrel and more continuously find food. But tell me yeah. more about Greedent. Well, it has the big cheek and stores food in them. Yeah, definitely very squirrel-like. All right, next up we got Pat Rat, which my birth mom would hate. It might be a chipmunk. Because <laughs> it has big teeth and brown color with stripes. It's got those little tails too, right? I, well, I don't think that chipmunks have tails like yeah, that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Okay, I guess they do. I spent my entire life watching uh, watching your grandma try to murder as many chipmunks as she could. Well, she can't because they're chipmunks. <laughs> um, next up, we got Watchog, uh, who is a what? We, a couple things, we think, right? Yeah, it might be a prairie dog that stands upright and the big teeth, but it also might be a groundhog because it has the big teeth and the coloration and stands up tall. Yeah, so a lot of rodents have similar uh, behavioral adaptations, actually. And the groundhog and prairie dog are both rodents, and they're North American rodents, and they have similar adaptations. And we know watchhog is from America because it's introduced in Unova, which is based on New York. Uh, so next up, we have, um, honestly... I love this thing, and at some point, I, I, I should get a, a plush of it and give it to your sister because I love this thing. What do we got next? Well, it's Bidoof, and it has big teeth with the flat tail. Yeah, and it's like a beaver, right? Beaver, yeah. 
It has thick fur and uses its teeth to cut and carve. And not only that, when it evolves, it gains the water typing, and beavers are semi-aquatic animals. I think beavers are adorable, and Haley should have one. Yeah, I love. Remember when that Bidoof cartoon came out a couple years ago? The Bidoof short about Mom, the. I want to watch the Bidoof. Yeah, Haley made us watch that Bidoof short so many times, and it made you cry every time. <laughs> Don't tell people that. That's not fair. <laughs> Um, and then next up, we have our last one we're going to talk about is Pommy. Pommy. And it's an alpine marmot, right? Yes. It's pronounced marmot, by the way. Oh, marmot? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> My it's, apologies. <laughs> it's from Europe, and it has a bushy tail. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting is that these, uh, the alpine marmots, marmot, marmot? Marmot. Marmots. They were actually reinduced in 1948, um, to the, the, I think it's Pyrenees, is it how you say that? The mountain range there, which is the mountains between Spain and France. Yes. And that's where you find it in the game. Yeah. And marmots stand on their hind legs. Which is just like the palmy line. As they evolve, they stand up. Yeah, because first it's like... Kind of cute walking on the ground on all fours. And then it like walks on like two feet. <laughs> and then it becomes Kung Fu Master. Wait, it does? Yeah, it's a fighting type. Oh. Nice. I love it. It's one of my favorite Pokemon in the new game. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's named Isla after, actually, after Brittany, who's on this, who's on Pika Science. Her character from Flaming Dice is named Isla. And I named it Isla after Brittany because it, it gains uh, that attack that revives. All right. All right. Now. All right. All right. All right. We'll stay on task. Sorry. So we're going to talk about the adaptations of the actual Pokemon, though. And, like, what are the adaptations that would help them survive, right? Mm -hmm. So let's start with Minchino. Tell me about it. It cleans objects with its tail. Which would do what? It cleans objects with its tail, which decreases bacteria risk. Yeah, so there's not as many germs, so it's, you know, not going to get sick. Yeah. Tell me more. They keep their habitat tidy. It decreases risk of like germs and illness again, right? So they're not getting sick. Just like we said, chinchillas are actually really susceptible to getting sick. Yeah. What else do they do? Pet each other with tails. So they have like culture then, right? If they're greeting each other with like a handshake. Yeah. So that might give us insight that maybe different um, groups of minchinos have different handshakes. Maybe. Now, we did find other adaptations that are specific to Chinchino, Minchino's evolution, right? Yeah. So what do we learn about Chinchino? Well, it has developed a thick scarf that protects it from attack. Yeah, so like, you know, things punch it and it's like, what are you doing here? And Chinchino's body is coated with special oil that protects it from attacks. Yeah, so like if you shoot it with fire, it's like, what are you doing? Chinchino's repels. Static electricity. Yeah, so this thing like has so many defensive adaptations. Not only is it able to take physical punches, but you know, the flamethrowers and the water guns and the thunderbolts aren't really affecting it. No. And so it's able to handle what it's you know, what the predators can dish out for it. All right, next we got a mulga. Tell me about a mulga. What adaptations does a mulga have? It lives in the trees and can glide through the air. So how are those adaptations? Well, it's prey, right? Yeah, it is a prey because it's a squirrel. So if the predators are coming for it, it can glide somewhere where they can't find it. Yeah, and it's up high, so it's away from a lot of predators, you know, which is a good adaptation. What else does it got? It grills berries and bugs with the electricity to eat them. Yeah, so it actually like makes sure its food's really cooked, so decreasing risk of infection and bacteria. 
It scatters electricity as it flies, so birds kill people and keep their distance from it. Yeah, predators avoid it, so they don't go near it, so it's more likely to survive, right? And those cheek pouches, they create electricity, kind of like a lot of the rodents we talked about in the last episode. So it has that adaptation as well. I found another one that's really interesting to me, though. In Sun and Moon, its dex entry says that it lives in holes made by pick a peck. Um, now this is, and we, we talked about it in an episode of Pokey Science. This is a type of symbiosis. This is a um, commensalism um, because the, the pick a peck's not really affected here, whereas the Amalga is benefiting. Amalga gets to live in these holes and it provides safety and defense, and it's not really impacting pick a peck in any way. All right, tell me about Pachirichi. Pachirichi creates electricity with its cheek pouches, and it hides attic footballs with its food. Why is that a good adaptation? Well, other animals will get zapped if they try to eat it. Oh, that's awesome. What else does it have? It lives in the trees and will rub the cheeks with each other to show electricity. So why is that an adaptation? If one of them doesn't have enough, they... Well, they basically share. Yeah, and so it, it's a it's a survival of the group compared to an individual, right? Yeah. And we know that, evolutionary speaking, ensuring the group survival is really beneficial. Yeah. It has one more adaptation, which is a really good one. It can shoot elect- electrical charges from its tail. Yeah, so not only is it shooting it from its cheeks or the fur balls, but also from its tail. So it's kind of protected. That's good because it's running away from a predator, can zap it from behind, and it won't have to turn around and stop and be in danger. Yeah, so it's kind of protected from all sides, right? Yeah. Okay, tell me about Squovin. It can store food in its cheeks, and if it has enough food, it can keep berries and fluff off its tail. Yeah, so it actually will store extra food. So Squovent always has food. <laughs> yeah, and Squovent hides in trees. So it's avoiding predators, and it eats berries nonstop, so it's always got energy. Also, if it can't find berries, it stores pebbles in its cheeks. And this is actually another adaptation. This here, um, it's almost a type of behavioral adaptation because what it's doing is self-soothing. It's almost like it's calming its own anxiety by saying, hey, it's okay, I got these in my cheeks, even though it's not berries. All right, what about Greedent? What do you got with Greedent? Greedent can bite through any berry skin and can eat pineapples and dragonflies. Yeah, so it's got such strong teeth that it can just like eat the outside of the berries. It stashes berries in its tail. So it's always got extra food. Its tail is twice the length of its body, and it will store berries in all time even in the middle of a battle would make always making sure it has food yeah so it's not really ever going hungry which is definitely an adaptation behavioral adaptation what about pat rat pat rat keeps food it keeps its food in its cheek pouches and can stand watch for days yeah for days it's like dude i'm not moving which is a great adaptation to ensure that the survival of its group right it takes shifts to watch over the nest and they work as a team to, to ensure that no predators are coming, right? Mm-hmm. Being extremely cautious, there's always one of them on the lookout. Yeah, again, they're like making sure that they're not getting eaten. What about Watchhog? Watchhog can see in the dark, and its body can grow and intimidate enemies. Watchhog. Its eyes glow in the dark. Eyes, its eyes glow in the dark, and 
Yeah, it's got like a luminous compound in there. I'm wondering, just do you think it works the same as a crocodile? Maybe. Or do you think it's actually glowing? You think it's like reflective or glowing? I think it might be reflective like a crocodile. But if it was glowing, that also might be intimidating too. Like who, do, who wants to mess with that? I don't know. No one. <laughs> okay, so Watchdog can also do what? It can make patterns with the glowing parts of their bodies. So they can actually communicate with this kind of like a squid or a cuttlefish, right? Yeah. They can like send messages back and forth. <laughs> it stuns enemies with their glowing eyes, so it doesn't have to get close to them. Yep. All right. Next up, finally, we got Badoof and Babarel. Tell me about Badoof. It has nerves of steel and isn't afraid of anything. Yeah. Behavioral adaptation, right? It lives in group and is semi-aquatic because it lives by water. Yeah, and that's a great adaptation because it can find food in the water and on land, and it can avoid certain predators by switching from land to water, and vice versa. It can chew through boulders. Which is a great adaptation because, like, that thing can just eat through whatever it wants. But Barrel can swim as fast as he does. Yeah, it can get away from predators. And the Barrel can make steady dams. Yeah, and like study dams are a great home. They're protected. You know, they're not getting attacked. Um, Beryl also has a weird adaptation in the fact that it can learn so many different moves and, and again, specifically HMs, which makes it useful to trainers. So it actually is a behavioral adaptation to ensure the survival of the species because trainers are going to want them to be around. Okay, last up, we got Palmy, Palmo, and Palmot. Tell me about it. Palmy has sacks on its paws to discharge electricity. Yeah, it doesn't use its cheeks. It uses its paws. Pomo defends the group from attacks. So they work as a team. Pomo uses fighting techniques to fight predators. Yeah, so like like a, if something comes up and tries to eat it, it punches it. <laughs> and Pomo moves lightning fast in battle. Pomo can stand and walk on its hind legs fine. Giving it more agility, more versatility, it can move more. Um, and those are all amazing adaptations. Now, this one, we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to do the closing for both part one and part two here. The closing's a little different, though, this time. There's not, we're going to talk about conservation, but is there really a need? No, I mean, they're all doing fine in the wild. I mean, they're not all, not every single rodent is, but no. as a group, as a whole, they're pretty adaptable, right? Yeah. Minus that chinchilla. Chinchillas are not adaptable at all. Don't get <laughs> no. one for a pet. You will literally... <laughs> it's a lot of work. You can yeah. get one, but it's a lot of work. We do want to talk about human-rodent interactions, though, right? Yeah. Don't call them pests because even if, like, it's not really nice, and they're only considered pests if they're bothering humans. Yeah, they're not necessarily causing harm to the ecosystem or environment. No. It's just that we don't necessarily like them. No. Yeah. And they're really not causing harm to the environment. Some of them are doing good to it. Like That's beavers. True. Yeah. Beavers do excellent to the environment, but sometimes they're considered pets. Yeah, and which we don't really like that term here. Um, no. Now, uh, you want to talk about rat attacks, right? Rat Rats actually do attack people. If you have a pet rat, they're normally going to be calm. But rats in the wild can be very aggressive if humans touch them or come close. So don't touch them. Yeah, especially like when they're like injured or something. Don't go near them. Now, how do we prevent interactions from rodents and humans? Well, keep your house clean and... Don't leave scrap food in the counters or the floors, and keep your food locked up if you can. Now, my favorite solution, and I know you don't really like this one, but my favorite is to have a cat. I mean, because we live, anyone who knows us, we live, you know, our backyard's county parkland, and 
the sole reason we have our cat Odysseus is because I don't want mice in our house. And there definitely are mice in our shed. And there was a mouse. We found one in the garage the other day, but like they don't get in the house because that cat will not let them. Um, I mean, yeah, but I think it's still a better solution to just prevent them overall. Yeah, yeah. So what about beavers and humans? So... Beavers almost went extinct. Yeah, humans like hunted them for their fur because it's water resistant and it's very thick and warm. But they, the environment needs beavers and the wetlands, and without the beavers, those wetlands aren't gonna, they aren't gonna have the animals thrive that live in them, and that can cause a huge imbalance for the ecosystem. That's true. Yeah, and beaver dams, you know, they're not always built in locations where we're happy about them. No. But there's, you know, like we need to investigate why they're building where they're building before we take action. And uh, obviously, if it's a safety risk to the animals, that's different. It's a a safety risk. Then, yes, you need to tell someone and have it removed. But most of the time, you just don't like it. And they're not a risk. And it's just you don't like current place. Now, there is one other thing to note, that if you remove a beaver dam, it might rebuild it anyways. Yeah. (laughs) So it might not do any good. It might just rebuild it and come back. So don't waste your energy trying to remove it. And, and use a professional. Yeah, if you really do need to remove it because it's risking safety, call a professional and don't try to do it yourself. And that's great advice here. And you learned it here at Lila's Lessons. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.